welcome to episode 27 of the Insecurely Show. This week we talk about the new developments in computer operating systems, platforms, and what you can do to stay on top of it. You can visit our website at in-security.org for the latest episodes, show notes, and to leave comments. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show. Send your emails to feedback at in-security.org. My name is Matt. And my name's Max. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, wonderful as always. Yes. So uh, things have changed. Time has progressed since the last time we recorded. It's true. You may not have noticed, but our weekly podcast has turned into a semi-monthly podcast. I thought roughly? it was a monthly podcast. I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> oh, right. Which would explain why we're releasing stuff uh, that we'd recorded a while ago. But life had moved on, and uh, I'm happy that we had a little bit of a backlog of episodes for which we could release, because life changes. Yeah, I've been trickling out the episodes, trying to drizzle some episodes all over the place so that they take a little bit longer to get out. And a fine job you've been doing. Mm. Yeah, so... Next month's uh, episode is already locked, loaded. The the post is written and sitting there waiting for, for the launch button to be pressed. Yeah, there's no reason to delay. There's but, always a reason to delay. Like, oh, like, like show notes could be napping. Yeah, show ah, notes would right. be a good one, too. There's at least yeah. one link in that last episode. There are two, in fact, that I need to put into the show notes, which is not a big deal. Oh, no, there's one that's in there already. It's fantastic. The show notes. So fleshed oh, good. Out. Wow. Yeah. All I need. I'm halfway done. Yeah. So monthly monthly podcast has been going great. Uh, if anybody is trying to sort out why our show has been a little bit delayed, it's Max's fault. He had a baby. Yeah, so we knew that it was coming, so we had recorded uh, some extra shows quickly, and then um, we had been slow to release those, so it's been taking extra long. So some of the shows, and then there was a weird like cryptography thing that took forever for somebody to edit. I'm not pointing any fingers or anything, but uh, yeah. There was also bit of a schedule change on my side um in as far as my work schedule changed drastically and completely uh so we've been trying to reconcile our east and west coast differences to see if we can't sort out some kind of equilibrium between the two and my work schedule east side is the best side yeah it's true that's why i'm <laughs> heading out there i'm heading out there on vacation Yes, and I'm heading out further east while you come this way. Retreating. Yeah, so that you can still be east coast. Easter. More more east than you. Yeah. Easter than thou? I don't know. Eastier? Quite right. Eastier. Yes. Eastier? Hmm, hoppy. Yeah, so I had a a child, and that has consumed the past few weeks. Kid's about a month old now. And yeah, good times. Finding time to entertain the other two kids and. Take care of the house while my wife looks after the baby. It's uh, it's an interesting time constraint. Is that but. what you're calling yourself these days, the baby? <laughs> Your wife finding time to take care of the house and entertain the other two girls while you play Citizen Star Citizen. What I like about the fact that it's the arena commander is that it's very easy to just pick up and play around and then not have any investment right. in it yet. Commitment. Yes, no commitments. 
So we need to record a, another batch of podcasts, apparently. We do. I had a light on even, this bugging me. E- even if we don't have any topics to cover. Yeah. So let's just cover a whole bunch of topics right now. First off, Rin. this episode is going to be about my cellular telephone. Somehow, and I don't understand how, I managed to break the screen on my cellular telephone. Somebody was juggling cell phones. No, not this time, oddly enough. And usually when I do, I don't drop it. I'm just saying. I'm not certain how it ended up breaking, but it ended up breaking. Did you sit on it? All right. All of this is, again, unusable. Yeah. Making editing a more difficult task for you to do. Eh, Not really. I've got it down to a science. Basically, just select all, cut, and (laughs) (laughs) export. It's nice. It's working pretty well for us so far. Right. The most recent episode I edited was, in fact, I believe, the shortest episode we've released. Because it was. Well, I did Control A, Delete, and then I don't even know if there's a hotkey for export. Who knows? Nobody knows the hotkey for export. Yeah. Hey, you have yourself a great week. All right, there we go. That's episode 26. And then... No, I don't believe it is. Welcome back to episode 26 of Insecurity, where Max makes excuses. You can visit our website at in-security.org. Follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show. Check out our YouTube channel. We don't know how it got there. (laughs) Do you want to... Do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, let's do a podcast about a thing. What would you like to talk about? Since we've... Since we last got together, I've built myself a new computer. Uh, one of the items that I built. Wow, that's an interesting face. We're not recording this for video, are we? Since last we've recorded, we've had several life changes. I've brought uh, a new baby into the world. And uh, I also made a baby out of uh, computer parts. I haven't named my new computer yet, but yes. Did you name the baby at least? Yes, I've named the baby. Oh, thank goodness. What have you put into this computer? I assume that what we're going to be talking about here is your new computer and not the baby. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, so the new computer, I've uh, it's just a very powerful computer for the purpose of playing games and playing computer. Uh, I have a platform that I can nerd out on. Which is also something else that I want to discuss now. Um, But the base operating system that I've put onto it is Windows 8.1, which was a very interesting experience to me. Uh, Having migrated over from Windows 7, Windows 8.1 actually reacts very differently. Can you give me some examples? So one of the things that I, that, uh, I thought was interesting is Microsoft, it's actually trying through the product that I bought to sell me other products. Not in so much as ads are there, but all of the services that come natively, like it comes with a Skype client installed, but that needs to be associated with a Microsoft Live account. When I installed the operating system, it asks you to create an administrator account during the installation process. So I've created that admin account, and then I always want to have a secondary account that's not privileged. 
I want a non-administrator account that I use on a daily basis. Just so if I accidentally click on something or go to a website that's compromised, right, my computer doesn't get compromised uh, if there's a drive-by download thing there as well. It took me like five minutes to figure out how to create another account. And maybe it's because I'm sleep deprived because I have a new baby. But really, Microsoft did make it very difficult to figure out how to go and install uh, a, a user account because as soon as you go to try to install a secondary user account, it wants you to make a Microsoft Live account. Essentially, my understanding of it is, well, actually, I have no understanding of it is my limited experience with it was that they are really strongly trying to build. What's a good way to put this? They're really trying to build a consistency across all of your various platforms because you have now Windows 8 is their current platform for all of their portable devices. And they're really working towards endorsing or embracing this portable and touch device uh, with their tablets and their uh, portables and their convertibles and their laptops and their so on and so forth. Unified is probably the word I was looking for. Unified or uniform. You want to try and have a very similar experience regardless of where you log in. So they try and get you to create a specific account, which is going to be based off of your Microsoft account. And then that will store remotely all of your settings and options, which I believe then if you go and sign into someone else's computer using the same account, you'll get your desktop and setup more or less. Although I have no basis of experience or even trial and error on that. Well, that is the case, though. I mean, I don't know if we've really talked very much about cloud computing and experiences like that. But uh, that is exactly what it is, is they want to have a uniform experience for people to have if they are using whatever platform they're using. Even if they're using like a, a Macintosh operating system, they still want the tools to react and act the same and be compatible across. I think the real driver for this is subscription fees actually, uh, you know, kind of eliminate piracy from happening in the first place. And they also uh, are a constant flow of cash. Whereas, you know, just look at the, the previous thing that I had where I had a Windows 7 desktop before i bought the operating system windows 7 and i used it until basically that computer was end of life if that computer lived for uh 10 years right they've only ever collected that software fee once from me and the same thing is true if i had installed a, a version of off microsoft office for instance only if i decide to buy an upgrade do they then get to collect money on that but if I'm being charged a constant monthly fee, it's a slow drip of the money out of my account. But over a longer period of time, they actually gain more money from it. And they also have the ability to force upgrades for people across across the time. So they would be constantly upgrading their version of Office, which is uh, the online cloud version is called Office 365, where I'm using the software on Microsoft servers and the local document gets stored perhaps on my local computer or it gets stored on the cloud service, which is probably where they want me to go so that they get a monthly storage fee for me as well. 
But so is this coming across as misleading? I I don't know what you're talking about with the subscription fee. Windows 8, is it based on uh, like a monthly or yearly license? It it is not. Your free Microsoft Hotmail account is free and has been for years and years and years. And that's not a subscription-based service. True. Like I see the subscription Uh, model coming in a lot with other software developers who are constantly trying to upgrade it this way. But so far, my Microsoft experience has been with the exception of Xbox Live, which I personally find was an atrocity because all of the pay services were behind their own paywall. You had to pay them money to be able to use Netflix on your Xbox was ridiculous. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know what subscription service you're talking about based off of windows with the exception of maybe office 365 and even office 365 was an option because you can still get office 20. I don't know. What was the latest one? 12, 14, 13. Something like whichever that. it is. I yeah, have. So, it, so. so I I'm also, uh, you know, old and curmudgeon just like you and thinking that well, I bought this and I should be able to do what I want with it. And I don't need to pay a subscription service to pay for a subscription service like Netflix. Right. Um, but the reality is that they are pushing people to the cloud for that experience. And it's maybe not immediate for consumers at home. They do have options uh, for non-cloud versions, but they're migrating stuff over. So, Whereas they they used to have a money management program that you would have on your home computer called Microsoft Money. They have a Microsoft Money client now, but it's in in the cloud, right? There's no longer an option to have a non-cloud version. Uh, Like Adobe is doing the same thing with audio editing, with their creative suite, with their... The creative suite thing is is the one that I was referencing. So, but but that is the model that Microsoft's going through. It's a model that a lot of people are going through, right? They're going for that unified experience where your home computer becomes almost like a dumb terminal that doesn't have all of the stuff run from it anymore. And so you can have this unified experience from a tablet or from an actual computer or from the library computer or from wherever and everything's just stored in the cloud and magically you get it right or you can have a little bit more control like like i was saying before where you can actually store documents you know in your home and have a little bit more control over that but i don't think microsoft will get rid of it but microsoft has a weird juggling that they have to do where they need to allow enterprises because they've become such a huge enterprise player they must allow enterprises to manage them everything themselves, but also still have this cloud offering for people through their Azure platform and their um, Office 365 platform and Microsoft OneDrive and stuff like that. I just feel, not to harp on it, I just felt like it was being a little bit misleading because I do still think that Microsoft, while they are in some ways moving towards this, I think it just sounded a little bit misleading saying that that's exclusively what they've got right now because that's not. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I didn't I didn't mean it to come across that way. What I meant to, to come across is my experience installing it was that they were very much pushing me to be in the cloud as a home consumer product versus 
the previous experience that I had where I would felt like I was in a lot more control myself. Oh, right. Um, they've dumbed down the operating system a lot so that it's uh, probably easier for people who are uninitiated to do. Uh, however, if you're used to doing a whole bunch of stuff, it's you got to figure out the new kind of tricks and hacks to be able to to manage the computer in the way that you were used to before. I think it's really a learning experience because of people being used to the things not being super intuitive. And I think now, as Apple has effectively broken the playing field with the iPad, and that completely, like, as cliche as it may sound, they have made an amazing product that I really feel changed the game. You used to have the desktop PC. Um, everyone embraced windows because that's what everyone had. And things were really not necessarily super clean. You used to have devices or not just devices, but software that was meant to do everything. And one of the really big things that, developers have embraced and adopted on the iPad is doing one thing and doing it well. It's like if you see any product advertised as two in one, then you know that it's a product that does two things poorly Mm. as opposed to, you know, you get a toaster, it's a good toaster. You get a toaster with a clock in it, then it's just trying to be fancy or something. There's not really a point to putting a clock into a toaster. It's a toaster. So then that kind of revolution from the developer standpoint seems to have taken over a lot, which kind of left Microsoft again in the, in the lurch because they were still developing and are still developing products that have such massive capability because it has been the industry standard and the de facto standard for so long that now Microsoft is, is, is almost in a BlackBerry position of trying to play catch up to try and, simplify these things for these wildly popular devices that have come out with the tablets because Microsoft needs to have an office solution available for tablet. But once you try and get a full blown office solution on a tablet, you have way too many capabilities for people who are used to doing things on a tablet, which is like one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. You have a notepad and that's where you write, you have a, you know, camera app and that's where you take a photo you have this, you have that. But then once you try and incorporate them all into one, they end up becoming really complex. And so I like this idea of having a decentralized um, sort of software management for them. If you release an update or release a new product, then because it's not necessarily centralized, you can assure a much better adoption rate. So I, as a security guy, trying to bring this back to the heart of the yeah. show, I have, I'm actually torn between these two things. On the one side, you know, as a security guy, I really like being in control, right? I like to dictate schedules and the controls that are in place and know where my data is at all time and all of that stuff. On the other side, I recognize the fact that people don't patch, mm-hmm. right? And if, if you have a centralized system that's automatically updated and patched and vulnerabilities are being addressed at that time, that's also a very good thing, right? So there's, there's two sides of this that are, that are interesting. And I guess it's partially trying to find the balance. So if you can 
be in control of your own information. You have this slipstreamed update capability. That's interesting to me. Another thing, though, is just Microsoft. You're right. Apple changed the playing field, right? They've defined a new way for people to experience stuff. And uh, the other companies out there are pivoting to try to take advantage of it. The apps, the fact that there are apps out there everywhere on all these platforms that are like mobile platforms, right? Now people are appifying full-blown applications. Like I think Apple was the first one to do that where they took their video editing suite and then they said, okay, well, this is now a cloud-based video editing suite. And they really made a lot of people upset because they were used to having that control on their own side and being able to, to control all of that. So then when it migrated out there, the new people, the neophytes to the video editing, they're like, hey, it's so much easier for me to do that thing. But when it's a lot easier for somebody to do something, it's also a lot more difficult to have those hacks that you get the efficiency from, where you can do the these key press modifications maybe that that you know have a macro for all of the filters that you want to add because that would be too complicated for the newbies. So they want that uh, slipstream view. So I see a, a lot of that coming into Microsoft. So I've always had when there was major platform changes for the Windows operating systems. You know, there was always a bit of a learning curve to it, and I was expecting that. What I wasn't expecting when I installed Windows 8.1 was this real push for me to to give up control, to, for me to grant online services more access over my personal information. That from going back to your dichotomy from the consumer perspective is sort of a fantastic idea uh, for general consumers, because from a general consumer perspective, you're never going to patch. You don't remember to um, if your system doesn't do it automatically. The vulnerabilities are always there. And then, you know, you end up just ending up breaking your system or running into uh, a really terrible experience. Uh, you don't have patches and you don't have updates. I like the idea of always running the latest kind of uh, latest kind of specific software. But then, as we discussed in a previous episode, if you are a company, you may be running glitchy software. You might be running specific software unique to your company. That was developed for you and patches and updates on other software could potentially break it. And so if you're forced into these things, you have no control over whether they update. You simply try to run, say, as an example, uh, an office suite. And then it automatically has updated something that can potentially have just really detrimental effects to your entire company if it takes out the core functionality of your terrible old outdated software right again there's two sides to this coin though right so um anybody who's been experienced in enterprise uh software delivery and and platform upgrades has probably experienced this to some capacity or another so for instance uh, there was a big problem with people having it invested in and created uh, web experiences for Internet Explorer 6, right? It was different than the other browsers. Uh, it handled things not in a standardized way. And a lot of people invested into making applications work for IE6. When it came time to upgrade, 
people held off on that upgrade because upgrading Internet Explorer broke a whole bunch of web apps. And the way that we had been migrating is to these web apps. So in large-scale enterprises, you would see, you know, people still running Internet Explorer 6 while enterprises had gone to, uh, while Microsoft had released, like, Internet Explorer 10, right? And Microsoft actually had to, like, keep hammering people over the head time and time again saying, i6 is a terrible browser. Like, it's just, we're sorry that we put it out. Please, for the love of God, migrate. You cannot, you cannot secure IE6. Get off of it, right? But enterprises stuck with old software of maybe vendors that have gone out of business in the time that's running a critical factor of their manufacturing plant, for instance, that's somehow web-enabled, right? They're stuck on this old crufty platform. And so upgrading the the operating system is now difficult because they're stuck there, right? So on the other side, if if there's constant updates uh, to any product, so keeping with the example of Internet Explorer, if there's constant updates to Internet Explorer, there's constantly being patches, you're not in control of that and it's happening behind and you're using this client on the cloud or whatever, right? You have to be a lot more dynamic. So now suddenly we're talking about changing the development cycle for companies all over the world, right? Now you have to start using an agile development model where you have much more frequent releases of software uh, with smaller features and just basically fixing these new bugs that come up from it. Or you lodge complaints with Microsoft and in the meantime, you're unable to to transform. And it's not just Microsoft. I'm not trying to pick on Microsoft, right? But like we're just using them as the example for this. So because I started ranting about it, right? But uh but yeah, so like any other thing that you are uh invested in an app like say Dropbox, right? Lots of people are using Dropbox. If suddenly you've created a custom application that uses Dropbox in the background or Twitter. Twitter's the best example I can think of, right? So many people have developed applications for Twitter. And then Twitter will just suddenly change their application programming interface, their API, and say, hey, that feature is no longer available. And all of the products that are out there that are taking advantage of that API are dead in the water. Like they're, one of the core features is no longer working. So now people are giving crappy reviews of this application that they've bought. And suddenly, well, the app's broken. It's not working for me anymore. Well, they don't know that it's Twitter that's changed something in the background. Right. It's this it's this constant change. Uh, it's like an advanced form of entropy where things start degrading underneath you and you just have to keep up faster. But so not even touching on the massive flaw of basing your business model off of someone else's core product and how dangerous that can be. Sorry, Matt, that is everybody's doing that. I know it's just a terrible idea, but it's not it's not within your control unless you're going to go and make a whole operating system. Right. That you're going to start to end. No, using, using your example of Twitter. But, but, but what I'm saying is that in an enterprise, right, where you have a core application that you buy off the shelf from somebody, you'll have that same experience. I've dealt with vendors. I don't want to call them out, but I'm really upset at them because they keep you stuck on a version of an old version of Java that's got like tons of vulnerabilities. And they're, they're keeping a gun to the customer's head saying, 
you can't upgrade this or else you're out of support. And if things go wrong, we're not going to come in and, and fix your stuff. But that's exactly right? what I'm Where saying. Where you've paid us millions of dollars to do it. But, I mean, that that is so prevalent out there. I think we're arguing the same point here. I'm just saying, aside from the basic fact that if you base your entire business off of someone else's core product, you then have to either keep up with that other person's core product or your business is going to be terrible. Or you hold the gun to somebody's head and, and prevent them from upgrading. But like essentially all of this is almost an argument in favor of this rent your software model that they're moving on to the pay as you go. All I'm saying is it's it's a new paradigm and it requires everybody to um, keep up to speed faster or dig in their heels. But that's it. Like all of this is basically a a pretty good argument in favor of the um, subscription model for software because the company that are developing these products are going to get a consistent influx of money. It may not be as much money as they would get upon release and then the purchase, but it'll just be consistent over time. And then if you have a subscription and your product breaks, your subscription can be stopped. So then if the developers know that they're going to get a constant influx of money, that means that they can consistently develop their product. It's once they stop developing their product and something else beneath them changes then at that point, you know, they're going to almost instantaneously, once their product breaks, they're going to lose most, if not all of their customers. In a perfect world. Yeah. Well, you know, they're going to lose some of their customers at any rate. And then that will either drive them to fix the product or drive them out of business. Right. It's kind of an argument in favor of the subscription model. So if they consistently have money coming in, they can consistently pay their developers. And if they consistently pay their developers, then they can keep up to date. So it's a multi-pronged approach, though, right? They're trying to lock you into services and platforms as well so that you gain efficiency and scale and your contracts uh, you know, reduce as you consume more services. But that also means that you're not getting perhaps the best of breed service that you're getting a bunch of good enough services like your toaster uh, example beforehand because you save money in the long run. Like a lot of people have 3D features built into their TV, even though they don't use 3D TV just because, you know, there was a big drive for it. And uh, manufacturers, it's, it's like a $5 component to put into a TV now, something like that. But you end up into these invested into these platforms just like with android or apple right you you become locked into this ecosystem where it's a lot more difficult to break out of that uh to use a, a, another product that might be best of breed for one capacity or another right and when talking about from the enterprise platform there's so many different factors that are keeping companies locked into a product or a platform or whatnot. Like there are alternatives to Microsoft Office. Yeah, people still pay for Microsoft Office because it was the thing that they've built up and invested all of this uh, capital, this brain capital into. So they've developed macros that might only work in Office and going to the free versions of this might not even be feasible because it might break that, right? Yeah, anyways, I thought uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, as a security guy, you tend to want to be in control of stuff. 
uh, especially these cloud services, right? They have all these new features that they're putting out there. Sometimes those aren't beneficial from a security perspective and you want to be able to, you know, disable those features from your user community if you are in charge of the, the security of a product. Right. Every company is different. So, you know, one company might want to be able to share documents this way. One other company might view it as a data leakage problem where they don't want uh, people to be able to, you know, send their office documents out through the cloud to share with somebody else and just totally lose control of. All right. That's beaten to death. More or less. <laughs> but it's good. I don't think it was beaten to death. I think you just reiterated it at the end. I think that's fair. We had a entertaining discussion in the middle. Yeah, there's, there's different perspectives for all of us, right? And people at home listening might be yelling at me for over their podcast listening device because they're uh, in, in disagreement. They have a different use case and that's fine to each their own. If that's right? the case, you can send us feedback via electronic mail at feedback at in-security.org. You can tweet angry, angry things at Max to Max's baby at Twitter. I don't know. Um, you can tweet angry things to Max on our Twitter account. He's now in charge of the Twitter. So just it's going to go straight to him. Tweet us at insecurity show or even just go to the website and leave comments on the, uh, the hilarious posts about how wrong Max is. Be sure to include lots of links to various other products, <laughs> usually enhancements for male parts. Because yes, then those. we know that it's a legitimate <laughs> comment. Yes, which is why we have so few, uh, because I keep deleting all of those. Um, right. So. Uh, what else? And so also with the new computer I've built, uh, getting back onto that topic. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I wanted to do is have uh, basically a lab environment on my computer that I can play around with because part of information security is keeping on top of all of the craziness, right? And, and learning and testing because you can read a whole bunch of stuff, but nothing cements the knowledge in my experience like actually doing it. And as we said last time, you don't go out and hack other people. You go and you download vulnerable versions of software and you run it on your own computer. But you don't want to run vulnerable version of software as your main computer. So what I do is I've uh, purchased VMware uh, workstation and you can uh, download operating systems that are known vulnerable. Please refer back to our jobs in information security episode. And there's a link within there that has a great reference to a whole bunch of known vulnerable software. And you can download that and you can download security testing software such as uh, what was Backtrack and is now Kali Linux. And, uh, you know, play around with Linux, learn Linux, learn basics of Unix operating systems, but also learn the attack tools and set up your own vulnerable systems and compromise those systems and learn just basically all the information security stuff and set up test systems. I've set up a domain controller for the purpose of demonstrating to Matt some, and perhaps if we ever get around to video recording, some of the hierarchy of enterprise systems through a Windows domain controller and, and server and clients connecting 
to the domain and all the goodness of, of that. And you can actually, you know, try the stuff you read. There's potential problems. If you have a weak setting of how to compromise the domain controller through capturing a, a hash of the passwords for that, you know, just stuff that you can test out for fun. Let's put an ad for that in the middle of the show. Um, yeah. If anyone has any interest in us releasing either video podcast or in this case specifically video, I don't know, lessons, video addendums, tutorials, tutorials we can do that without them being part of the actual podcast feed. Or alternately, we can try and incorporate podcast video podcasts, or we can have a separate video podcast in which we would have screen grabs so that you can follow along if you're more of a visual learner, which I think would actually be really cool. Yep. So just let us know. Send us an email to feedback at in-security.org. My old machine didn't go to waste. I've uh, leveraged that old machine to do some stuff. I have uh, He's attached the baby bouncer to the fan in the back. <laughs> yeah, the super loud one. <laughs> and that just bounces the kid up and down, puts him to sleep. No. Yeah, and keeps I've, his room uh, warm at the same time through those cold winter yeah, it's nights. Very warm. Very warm. Uh, yeah, so the old computer is now running my uh, data tap that actually um, connects me to the internet. And sniffs all of my traffic so that I can do analysis on it and also do, uh, you know, just general learning of how to how to do some uh, packet deep dive packet inspection stuff and check for malware in my in my network and check for attacks through uh, the product that I've mentioned before, Security Onion and uh, the Bro IDS that's part of that, which is also running in a virtual machine, which is super fun. Um, you know what? I'm, s- I'm sick of this show. This episode. I'm sick of this episode. I think this episode is done. I can't work under these conditions. It's so yeah. over. It's so yeah. over. I'm out of here. But before I go, you, why don't you go have yourself a good week? Fine. You have a good week. Oh, fine. I will. <laughs> I will.